Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Yeah. Number eight. Octopod. <laughs> <laughs> Squareball Podcast. To buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In this edition of the pod, we wake from the bad dream of Swindon to glimmers of hope against Yeovil and Southend. We talk Beckford Bates and other accounts receivable, and we remember all the new dawns at Ellen Road that turned out to be nightmares and sent us hiding under the bed. This is number eight, Squareball Podcast. Welcome along with me in the studio today. Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White's here. Hello. And say hello to Oddie. Hello. Uh, straight to the inbox then, uh, your emails, tweets and messages. Who's going first? We have an email from Neil Stocks, which came through to us all that says, um, uh, keeping up to date with the goings on with Leeds can be difficult down here in Jersey. Only our occasional screenings on Sky to look forward to, and then in brackets it says, Millwall. Um, it's hard enough to brainwash my five-year-old son Dylan into being a Leeds fan without that being the only evidence of why I should support them. I need all the help I can get. We've just played FIFA 10 and he wanted to be Chelsea. He has a lot of learning to do. Was tempted to tell him to wash your mouth at son, etc. Keep the faith. We have to go up automatically as I fear we will play, fail in the playoffs again against teams that are on the up compared to ourselves who seem to be heading in the opposite direction. Please, not another year in the third division. Keep up the good work. I think that's aimed at us rather than at Leeds United Football Club. <laughs> uh, from Neil Stocks. Thank you, Neil. Well, if we can do anything in our power to stop Dylan being a Chelsea fan, I'm, I'm sure that's only a good thing. Washing his mouth out's probably a little bit extreme at this point. But and if he follows it through to go get his father's gun, who knows what the ramifications could be from that? The, the ramifications, <laughs> given that these people are Jersey-based, will probably be um, Bergerac <laughs> driving around his old-fashioned. Was it a Jaguar? Certainly a nice um, old car. Moss. Who has? Well, what kind of car did Bergerac drive? <laughs> Is it possibly not relevant? <laughs> I'm not sure that's relevant, but you know. We can look it up and perhaps feed back in the next podcast. Yes, we'll be on Wikipedia within moments of us finishing here. So yeah, Dylan, don't become a Chelsea fan. They're a horrible... Barely even a football club. He'll regret it in the end as well, because Leeds fans who were glory supporters in the 70s are now feeling the downside of being glory supporters then. Just pick a team based on nothing, and you're about as likely to be happy, really, in the long run. Because Chelsea will... Abramovich will leave, they'll drop down the divisions. He might end up stuck with them. So, yeah, follow your heart. Well, a friend of mine um, became an Aston Villa fan because that was the first team that he filled in his Panini sticker books. That's as good a reason yeah, as any. Yeah, fine. Perfect logic. Message uh, from Facebook from Josh Granger from Newcastle, another uh, kind of exiled Leeds fan. Um, he's put, hello all. I've just got into the square ball, um, but I have to say there's no better than listening to the podcast on the way to school. Moscow is a comedian in the making. <laughs> Apparently so. He's got many uh, teenage boys who are fans of him, apparently. Um, he says, let's all stick together in our quest for promotion. Um, you touched on it in the recent pod when you said that since the Hereford game, we've been using that phrase whenever we have a bad result now. Swindon, Exeter, Walsall, Millwall, they can't all be Herefords. Uh, he gets all ranty, which is quite good. Um, and Ken Bates, stop treating your wife to £50 bottles of champagne when you can get a cheap bottle of lemonade, add some vodka and voila, what a romantic. Um, and buy some decent players. McSheffrey is not a good player. Oh, and Beckford, you can fuck off. Cheers, lads, keep up the good work. And this is a new territory for us. We're doing a, uh, a call-out to David Gingerbeer Granger. 
Well, you want, you want to hear Moscow off, off air. He's like Jim Davidson and Chubby Brown rolled into one if you're looking for a comedian. <laughs> just only without the jokes. <laughs> just the pure hatred. Just the hatred. Um, it's, yeah, it sounds like um, if Josh can recommend uh, vodka and lemonade, then... Uh, I was going to say, I'll accept that kind of um, uh, praise. If yeah. I don't see why Susanna Bates should uh, benefit from all the cheap booze um, that Europe has to offer, um, I'll have it, just as long as I don't have to spend the night with Ken. Uh, I've got a message from Darren Aveyard, who, uh, following on from men- the mention of Neil Warnock in the last podcast, he wanted to share something with us. Uh, a bit tenuous, but he works with someone who went to school with Warnock, and although Warnock insists he's a lifelong blade, Neil was in fact a Chef Wednesday fan as a child. He Bro, sort of kept that quiet. That's a revelation, isn't it? Yeah. And he also mentions uh, keep up the good work. That's a, it's Warnock. good that's like a staple of any radio show. You need to put that on the end to get it read out. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually on have the back of a £5 uh, note. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can uh, email us, podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us as well on Facebook and Twitter. Into part number one, then, whitewatching the last two weeks' games. Uh, we've got Swindon at home, Saturday the 3rd of April, on to Yeovil on the Monday, and Leeds v Southend. These are the three games that have happened in the last fortnight. Started bad, got better? Question mark? It had to get better, really, after Swindon. It's it was um, along with, well, I don't know, it was probably the first half performance was certainly better than Millwall, but second half was as bad as I've probably felt all season. It was just, once they scored, we seemed to just completely give up. And contrary to what we said in the previous podcast, Billy Painter is definitely not injured. Yeah, he looked quite, he looked, <laughs> he looked relatively fit when he was popping in the goals. Um, yeah. So apologies to anyone who might have been expecting him not to play. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, we I think we treated our um, the desperation we were feeling quite lightly last time because there was the thing that well, perhaps we're just over how terrible it, things have become, and then we'll beat Swindon and everything will be fine again. And it just I mean, the end of the Swindon game was I think the lowest point of the season of last season probably of the season before that as well I haven't felt that bad since relegation so that's a good cheerful note to take us forward <laughs> I think it's because it, it came off the back of Norwich which was despite the defeat was quite promising really in so many ways and then it started alright they they still were having chances but we were playing some alright stuff we were kind of looking a bit back to our old ways we were actually you know playing decent football rather than just hoofing it and then they scored and we just completely reverted to the kind of panicked cracking it into the corners and hoping for the best which we had failed us so miserably uh, already once they scored uh, heads went down we just crumbled again I yeah, think that's what made it so bad is that it just the lack of the midfield that just wasn't there they were watching the ball go over their heads from <laughs> defence to attack and back again uh, not getting a grip on it so the signs of a team sort of fragile and confidence I thought were very much in evidence against Yeovil as well, moving on to that game on yeah. the Monday, um, because we were pretty comfortable without being spectacular. We got 2-0 up fairly easily, didn't we? And, but then as soon as they crept back into it, you could see the confidence was very shaky. Yeah, definitely. It was the same again, much in, in the same way, but we happened to be leading, thankfully, by the time they scored this time. But as, as soon as they, as they um, got one back, we just panicked, really, and it was... Like I say, back to the old, uh, just hoofing it up the pitch anywhere will do, even though we had, you know, 30 minutes still to defend at that stage. What do you think it is that is making this team lack confidence, given the run that they had at the start of the season? The run since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but why, why have we gone on this run? Why, is, why did confidence just disappear? Is it, do you think confidence has just gradually ebbed away since Man United, or do you think something changed after that? This won't help explain it, but I did. I saw a comment from, I think it was a Huddersfield fan who'd watched that game, um, and obviously hasn't seen much at Leeds lately, and just said that once Yeovil scored, he could not believe the change in Leeds' players. Like, as if from an outsider's perspective, it was just like you could tell that every single player on that pitch had just gone in the head. And like I said, that doesn't help explain it, but um, because I can't explain it, I don't know what's up with the idiots. <laughs> but it does seem like that's all they need, is they just need a little knock um, and something not to quite go their way. And then instead of just digging in and uh, fighting back. I mean, against Swindon, when we were 2-0 down, we still had 40 minutes to play. There would, You would hope that they could... I mean, we came back against bloody Tottenham, and yet at the moment it's just like collapsing like a, a pack of... a house of cards that are made out of eggshells that have been put together by a 
two-year-old who, <laughs> who doesn't doesn't understand triangles. <laughs> There's no leaders in that midfield. That's a problem. I posted something similar on the forum along the lines of if you look back to Wilkinson's team in '89, '90, just how many leaders there were on that pitch. Like Strachan, obviously, is the obvious one, but. Vinnie Jones and you know Chris Kamara was established. Fairclough, what, yeah, Chris Sterling. Fairclough, and there were so many leaders. It was you look back on it compared to now, and it was a team to be feared, wasn't it? And we don't have many players that instill fear in in the opposition. Maybe with the exception of Beckford. There's a, an element with our team that the, there are a lot of soft kids involved because players like Kilkenny and Johnson and House and, and Snodgrass. That's our midfield, and I don't think any of them are over 23. So there's not experience there at all Doyle I suppose is the one that's supposed to provide that but then he he's just not a, a leader type he's a um, an anonymous type not a very good type <laughs> <laughs> but let's not get bogged down too much then in, in the negatives of it because it was a win and at the end of the yeah. day it, it is a results business as the cliche goes um, plenty of positives to draw from that game that we thought well we found a new striker Little Mad Max. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more of the Richard Naylor, but oh, yes. <laughs> as a partnership, it has some merit. Yeah, little Mad Max, Gradle. Um, he chased everything down, uh, chased all the balls, um, ran his little cotton socks off. I'm still not convinced he's a striker as such. He doesn't seem to have any kind of real positional discipline that you'd normally associate from a striker. He's kind of all over the place, but in a team that has Beckford up front it maybe needs one to actually put a bit of work in a big improvement from the uh, lunatic we've seen running around the pitch really. well that's it I mean it's difficult well I think we're entitled to get carried away because it's probably the only bright spot we've had but I haven't forgotten that I think a month ago it's pretty unanimous everyone thought that we'd, we'd wasted however much money um, he, uh, we're not allowed to know that he cost um, <laughs> and that it had been a terrible mistake not just leaving him to rot in Leicester and now he's, he's um, the hero that's going to get us promoted single-handedly so it's a slight usual fickleness which I'm fully prepared to sign up for and say <laughs> I, I endorse and support So is it more of the same then on, on Saturday against Southend 2-0 victory it's a sort of vic- victory that would have been a routine victory earlier in the season but it's a little, made a little bit more nervy by the, the need to win now I think it's hard to probably read too much into the game because Southend seemed a really bad side. Probably the worst side at Ellen Road since maybe Tranmere early in the season. They seemed just completely devoid of any ideas at all. And a couple of times, they didn't really create any chances, but a couple of times the ball kind of broke to them in and around the box and they just failed to make anything of it at all. Um, And they did just look every inch aside that's doomed and sort of accepted the fate, really, that they're going down. And the players aren't getting paid and... I don't know. They, this kind of played as if they weren't getting any money for it. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, I never got the um, feeling that we were under that we were in any trouble against Southend. But then I think you'd probably say similar things about the first half with Swindon and Yeovil. And so it was good that we actually got a clean sheet, ground out a win, um, and a decent win, and um, all brought about by um, a magical substitution that. Um, Maybe it's the moment that changed the season, or is that putting too big a spin on it? Because the last half hour we looked a lot better with uh, Bacchio. With 11 men rather than 10. Well, <laughs> well, yes, this is the. Uh, th- well, do we want to do that now? <laughs> <laughs> we'll expand on Beckford um, in part two, I think, because it is a fairly major talking point. But I would add on South End as well, if you want to draw it back, is that it wasn't just that we took off one striker and brought on another we went three defenders four one two that's ten isn't it and then we still had a goalkeeper so that's a full team (laughs) Um, and it it did we didn't just swap personnel we changed the whole formation of the team and and started the, the things that we had been trying to do up until that point with the players that weren't necessarily suited to it suddenly we had Becchio who will win headers everywhere winning headers and it worked the big bonus from uh, from Saturday then was um, Swindon's defeat. They got pretty well turned over, which put us in a slightly better position than we were. Yeah, it just shows this league is it's a crap league. Yeah. Teams at the top <laughs> lose all the time. It's not a high standard. It's not the Premiership where it's a massive turn up for the books if one of the top four loses. 
it's, it happens every week if we if we win our games we will go up this year because there's no way Millwall will win every single one of theirs you wouldn't think <laughs> <laughs> i just caveat that yeah. um, <laughs> dare, dare you yeah, put your neck on the line and say that <laughs> state that as fact but the prob- I mean they probably won't will they so, but we won't either <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've injected a bit of hope then by accident. <laughs> and it's not just because this league's more competitive, it's just because it's shite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, pulling it all together then, uh, we've got five games left. Uh, again, we won't dwell too much on what's coming up because we'll do that in part four. Again, have we got a, a summary for this last fortnight? It's strange. I mean, it's three games with a loss and two wins, but the, I think the defeat against Swindon was such a low that the two wins since have only sort of partway made up for how bad that was. It doesn't feel like, we, you know, six points from nine, that's, you know, much better form. Um, it just feels like, oh, we're still shit. But at least we won a couple of games. But it is two wins on the bounce. It is two and wins And I like Grayson's spin on it that it's, uh, it's taking the pressure off us. We've slipped behind a little bit. It's easier to chase than to be chased, I suppose. If one, how, how many cliches can we throw at, <laughs> throw at one situation? Basically? Do you think we can convince Norwich to look at it that way? <laughs> Lots to talk about from the last two weeks, so we'll get right into that now. Pause, regroup, and we'll be back with part two in just a moment. Part two of the Square Ball podcast, uh, the talking points from the last fortnight, and we'll start off with Jermaine Beckford, as it sort of meshes nicely in with what we were just talking about uh, with the South End game. Beckford giving the bird to the South Stand, didn't he? Flick the V's. Well, they weren't being very nice about him. No, that was obvious. Does, does he deserve it? You've uh, just scribbled on your pad, Jermaine, and put a love heart with it. I, I don't think he deserves the level of... Um, Abuse that was coming his way because he wasn't. He's playing badly, but what is getting to me a bit is it doesn't seem like Jermaine Beckford is allowed to just be out of form. It has to be that he hates Leeds United and that he's going on the pitch every Saturday with nothing in his heart but the desire to destroy our season. And um, but did he not feather that particular bed by uh, handing in a transfer request and then having his agent make it public? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I can't really defend him against against a lot of the things he's done. It's just, it seemed to me on Saturday that all it took was one header that he didn't jump for, and um, and you could tell immediately everybody started on him. And I said to my mate, I said it'll probably be the usual thing that when we watch that back on the highlights. You could probably see he wasn't going to win it anyway, and so like you can understand why he didn't go charging up, um, trying to take their goalkeeper out um, to win a to win a header. And then um, I didn't see the gesture because I was in the cup. But then suddenly you've got the South Stand singing, "You're not fit to wear the shirt" at him, and that's not really going to help anybody uh, on any level. And that's it, 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 he hadn't been playing well up to that point but he hadn't been playing badly he had that run up the left wing and then played it inside to Snoddy it just seems it seems almost like people are going there now waiting for him to cock up so that they can have a go at him which seems counterproductive I am going to disagree though that he's not been playing that badly because I think he actually has no I think he's been playing badly but he's not alone yeah he's not alone and it's and I, I think it's more that he is just playing badly rather than the perception seems to be that he is doing it on purpose. The thing for me with Beckford I've always, I've been probably one of his biggest supporters over the years because I think certainly amongst the, the people that do this podcast we're all kind of in favour of Beckford, we're, like generally speaking we're, we're all kind of on his side whereas I know some people have been on his back from the off really. Um, but the last couple of games I have lost patience with him because he's not I know he's never going to be a striker that charges around like Alan Smith or someone trying to win the ball off uh, people in corners but he's, he's, he seems to have actually just given up for me he, on even doing like the the simple things like running channels and whereas before he wouldn't go up for headers but he'd, he'd kind of gamble on the defender missing it and running behind him and stuff now he's just a bit he just seems content to kind of do a half jump and then hold his head and look at the linesman and shout a bit and it's just there's only so many times I can see it before I, I start resenting him on being on the pitch I'm, I'm starting to swing that way a little bit thinking that he, he's almost being a disadvantage to us again a similar sort of opinion to this that I put on the forum that we don't necessarily play to his strengths which is not his fault 
but he doesn't help himself either. He doesn't make himself more useful to the team. So we might as well be playing with ten men sometimes, even though it's not maybe directly his fault. That's where um, I lose um, this because you said it there. We said he uh, he just seems content to play that way, and no idea if he's content playing that way at all. It could, he could be the most frustrated striker in all of. Britain at yeah, the you moment. Look, you look at body language and you look at actions, and he's, but, he's, but this is too many people are watching Beckford's body language instead of worrying about all the other things that are going on, and it's the hysteria about it that's getting getting to me now. There was someone said on um, one of the forums that you could tell by the way that the Leeds players celebrated the first goal that that's that they were showing Jermaine Beckford what they felt about how he'd been playing, and it's no, they weren't. They were celebrating a sodding goal, and then there's people saying, "Oh, he didn't get up off the bench to celebrate," and some people say, "Oh no, he did. He stood up and said, well, he didn't celebrate enough." And there were other people sitting down next to him and said, "Well, they're all right because they can." do that and it just seems like I actually don't particularly care I think he's playing badly and he shouldn't start against Carlisle because um, Becchio and Grade. well Gradle's been brilliant Becchio came on and uh, helped change the game on um, Saturday and he's been poor um, for several games and needs dropping but I just don't know why we can't just say he's playing really badly and drop him and instead we have to sort of put him on a, um, a fake psychologist's couch and get down to the real nitty-gritty of, of how he feels and what he thinks. Is, is it not true that the relationship is breaking down, isn't it, between down. him and the club and the fans, and that's why it's it's turned into this bit of a mess, really? It's sort of akin to when you try to you, you realise that you don't want to be with a girlfriend and you start causing arguments and you know being really destructive so, just so you can fall out with them kind of thing. And quite often in those situations, it's because there's somebody else. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if rumours are to be believed, it's West Ham or uh, Everton, isn't it? Isn't it? And yeah. he does seem to have really given up on us, I think. And I, th- I think, regardless of any of the you know the rights and wrongs of whether his contract's big enough for him, whether we've offered him enough money, which I think, to be fair, from his point of view, I can see he probably thinks I'm on less money than bloody Andy Robinson and, and Marquez, Marquez and Mikulic apparently. And he must be thinking I've been the best player here for the last three years. What's going on here? Why why am I on this much money? He's, he's off at the end of the year. I mean, there's rumours he's on. He's going to be. He's been offered like. 20 grand at Villa and West Ham and Everton and all these teams and he's thinking well I don't want to break my leg in the meantime I don't want to jeopardise that contract he's never really played as if he was going to break a leg even when he was at his best the thing, like as I was saying, Beckford isn't even trying to do like the running in behind thing anymore Mm. he's just letting them win when did we last play a good through ball to Beckford? When did our midfield, in fact, so either, any of the strikers, when did our midfield last play? When did he go a really effective? When, when did he exactly, that's the position, point. You, yeah. can't, you can only pass to someone who looks like they're going to move for a ball. Well, maybe you can only... You're only chicken and egg, we can't yeah, really You're only going to move for the ball if you think that the midfield's going to play one. So, uh, And that's why I think concentrating on Beckford to this degree is counterproductive. Season tickets. Renewals are out. The first renewal deadline has passed. Um, reports varying as to as to the levels of renewal, but the sort of commonly accepted figure is somewhere between seven seven and a half thousand of the eleven and a half thousand from this year. Uh, how do we feel about that? I imagine it'll probably pick up to you know probably above this season's levels if we go up, and if it doesn't, I expect it to go up by. 500 maybe I doubt I doubt there's many people who've not renewed already who were thinking oh well I'll, if, if we're still down in this league I will renew just a bit later I think I think the, the line's probably drawn more or less for people who are who are in for league one football and people who are out of it <laughs> that sounds about right yeah um, and then the the problem will come the more interesting figure might be new season ticket sales if we even get into double figures <laughs> of, of new lemmings that are going to throw themselves off the uh, off the cliff of buying a season ticket for Division Three, well, the late renewal price was five ten, I think. It was four fifty earlier renewal. I think it was five ten. So you've got to think that's going to be the minimum price for a new one. It's probably going to be a few quid more to make it to justify the kind of late renewal price, and it's just not worth it. There's no way you can look at it. And think that's good value. <laughs> New applicants for next season uh, for me and my, I go with one of my daughters um, would be I would think seven hundred pound plus for both of us, which is pretty appalling, really. 
We'll get the crowds we deserve next season. I've no yeah, doubt there'll be. If we're in, if we're in League One, and there'll be a Category A game, which would be probably you're looking at going to be thirty quid plus next year. We'll quite understandably be getting crowds of about fifteen thousand, I would think. Um, and that's to be honest, that's more than we deserve <laughs> for the prices we're being asked to pay. And that leads us nicely, I guess, into uh, the publishing of the latest Leeds United accounts. When well, I say latest, this is for the period up to June two thousand and nine. Uh, quite a lot to digest in it, so I guess we should uh, run sort of a general rule over it. Uh, does someone want to pick pick the meat off the bones then? As always, really, with a set of baits accounts, it kind of produces more uh, more questions than it does answers. Really, there's. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not because it's not the latest things. All the things that we're, we're kind of hoping to see in there, like the Delft money and the Cup money and things, none of that's actually there. Um, so it's kind of trying to throw your mind back to what was happening uh, at, the, at this time in the club. But um, the bottom line is, we don't really make any money. <laughs> well, so the overall profit figure that's showing on the accounts is fifteen thousand pounds, which is down obviously a hell of a lot from the four point five million that the club uh, were very keen to make a song and dance about for the year before. Wasn't um, that four and a half million not? A genuine profit, though. Well, it, it was it was made as a profit, but it went back out on the cost of the administration, as I understand it. Um, so, essentially, Forward Sports Fund paid for getting us back out of administration, but then took the money back from the club. It was it wasn't um, presented as a um, an example of how well run we were at the time. That's four and a half million pounds was kind of us doing really well, um, and the, the fact that it all had to go straight to forward was less less publicly um, dealt with the, the, the 15k profit seems like, I mean we're looking at it pre-Delf and pre-Cup runs so these set of accounts almost seem like this is um, the bold state of the football club and and so leaving aside whether we made 4.5 million and whether um, we make all this money off Delf, which although even Ken in Dublin last week was sort of preparing Preparing the way for that figure to be down, um, estimated downwards slightly when he, he said that it down a lot, didn't he? When, when he, he said it was, um, he said it, it might have looked good if you believed the headlines. That figure, something like that. Um, and so we, we seem to be dealing with this is the standard state of uh, the football club, and it, it makes fifteen k. <laughs> football is a multi-million pound business. Um, fifteen thousand pounds at the end of the year doesn't seem like a fat lot. So picking apart the the bits that we we can sort of get from these uh, from these accounts, uh, gate receipts uh, worth picking up on. There were ten million pounds in the previous accounts, down to eight point nine, as we understand it from these. Is that cause for concern? Yes, because they'll be down further next year. You would have to. Oh well, probably well, not next year because they'll the be year there after. the year after yeah. <laughs> when we eventually do catch up. Michael. Catch up with <laughs> with just how uh, bad our crowds are going to become next season. Um, it is worrying because that we that was based on relatively high crowds at a the, relatively high price as well. Yeah. yeah. Does this then show a bit of a flaw in the the, the idea? The, it seems to be a Ken Bates business model of uh, you know put the prices up to offset the dropping crowds. Then I think one one thing that a dropping crowds will also bring, which was kind of highlighted, is the other. Um, other revenue it was which included Billy's bar and things um, that had gone down from um, the other commercial revenue a bit from 9.6 to 9.4 which again you would expect to drop even further if the crowds are getting lower even if the people going in are paying less you would surely expect then you know the money from food and drink sales and things you'd expect those to go down further um, and it shows really that other commercial revenue can't cover a crap team without any, <laughs> without anybody watching them Interesting that the merchandising seems to have uh, leapt up. So you've got you know to put a positive spin on something to do with this. You know it's gone up from three point four million in the previous set of accounts to four point nine this time. Because that's just Michael just constantly buying every poor Huntington poster that they produced. <laughs> I mean, we're probably not the best qualified people to be going through the accounts line by line because we don't. I mean, I barely got two shillings to rub together. So when it comes to understanding. Um, this kind of finances I don't know what I'm talking about but um, to be turning over let's have your opinion anyway yeah I mean I'm, I'm sitting here with a microphone in front of me so I may as well talk um, to be turning over 23 million and we actually recorded a loss what was the loss it was 2.8 I think before player trading and then we had just happened to sell players to the value of 
2.9. I think the the profit on player trading was 2.9, so that doesn't include outlays and so on and so forth. Yes. We made just enough to just make a little bit of money um, by selling a couple of players. What we can put at the bottom of all this is that we're being run at a loss and that we need to um, profit in the transfer market um, in order to come out ahead at the end of the year. Which goes very much against the spin that Bates put on the last set of accounts was that we were a profitable club, that we were we were very strict with what was coming in, what was going out, and that we'd always we were kind of a as a business we were breaking even. And this these accounts seem to go quite strongly against that really, in that we have to be selling players to to even reach that break even point. And he's always had that aspect. as his defence against any. Um, kind of criticism is that well I'm I'm running the club much better than it used to be run um, which may be true in terms of degree compared to wasn't a great a very high mark was it that had (laughs) been set for him that's the thing it's um Anyone could have probably done a better job than uh, than Ridsdale, who nearly, very nearly drove us into extinction with his with his spending. Um, you know, we're sort of maybe thinking that this administration isn't the administration to take us forward in the way that we might hope. Uh, big rumours emerging this week, uh, press rumours. It's it's worth uh, worth adding about the the Aussie takeover. Uh, <laughs> Frank- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Is his name Frank Lowey? It is Lowey. Uh, it might be worth explaining to anybody who hasn't heard this rumour exactly who this fella is. He's um, a very old man. Um, He's actually a, older than Ken Bates, isn't he? Right? Yeah, yeah, which is extraordinary because I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> um, and he's um, Australian. He, um, as hinted, he's the boss of Westfield, who, um, if we have any listeners in Bradford, they, um, next time you're in the town centre, you can look at his gleaming new shopping centre that, um, that he's, he's dug a hole for. <laughs> at least his company have dug the hole for, um, and that's uh, that's the, it's that guy. But he's a very rich man, and um, he's heavily involved with um, Australian football, um, setting up the Premier League over there and attracting players like Robbie Fowler and Michael Bridges, which is obviously the kind of exactly the sort of calibre we're after. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, watch this space on that one. Uh, you can't imagine the meeting with him and Bates either. If they're both, if he's older than Bates, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long-winded meeting. There's gonna be a lot of what? <laughs> eh? <laughs> Speak up. <on. laughs> we've had we've had too many, I think, of uh, of these people over the years who've kind of you know come in and oh, yeah, this person's gonna buy the club. They've got a thousand billion pounds. And then they, then they just disappear and never to be heard of again. So yeah, if we can just keep uh, transferring from less bad rich old men progressively until we might get 
um, one who is who's reasonable and or competent. A rich Yorkshire billionaire. A rich Yorkshire billionaire. Yes, all the ones that Ken Bates say won't return his phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> well, this leads us very nicely in, into part three, uh, our feature section, which we've decided to uh, look at false dawns, um, moments where you thought it was all right for Leeds United and then it wasn't. So we will stop here, pause for breath, and we'll return and do that for you in just a moment. <laughs> This is it then, part three, Square Ball Podcast. The section is our feature section. Um, this time we're concentrating, as I just mentioned, on false dawns, moments when you were filled with hope and it just turned out to be a big old sack of rubbish. Um, I'm going to go first on this one, if you gentlemen don't mind. Um, it's a very short and very sweet one and this comes directly from, from my old man and he said to me, he's uh, told me many times about this story, that uh, when Alan Clark took over uh, Leeds United in 1980 and I think he promised to win the European Cup within two seasons and two seasons later we were relegated so that's my that's my false dawn Oddie you're probably the most senior of our uh, our pod dwelling members um, what well, do you, it's actual of you what do you rem- <laughs> what do you remember of this uh, of this season what was it like that when Alan Clark took over because um, you can't have been any older than about your 40s then I mean <laughs> Um, yes, I do remember it as it goes. Uh, he came in. Uh, I remember he, he bought Peter Barnes, and he was going to be the all singing, all dancing hero, and he wasn't. We had Frank Worthington, who was very popular. Nice hair. Yeah, still got the hair as well. Yes. Not at all inappropriate for a man <laughs> in his sixties. Uh, Is he balding with a mullet? Yeah. Yeah. yeah good stuff. <laughs> it's the look. Um, yeah, and then he took us down, and Clark, he wasn't very well-liked. We, we plucked him from the obscurity of Barnsley, and he went straight back to Barnsley afterwards, didn't he? Yeah. But... I feel like Barry Fry once said that when at Peterborough, he said, I'll get you out of uh, the... Out of, well, I think it was League One at the time, and he did by getting him relegated <laughs> the same season. <laughs> so I don't think he's what he meant. But <laughs> So that was the time we had... Um... Aidan Butterworth was playing up front, wasn't he? And he, yeah. I think his whole career was a false dawn because he, he looked brilliant for a while and then um, gave it up to be a PE teacher in Doncaster. Just decided after two seasons he had enough of being a brilliant striker. Oddie might remember this as well because um, it's funny how the whole club, in a way, is based on a, a false dawn because um, just after the First World War... <laughs> When um, um, Oddie was just, I think that was the first season ticket for 1918, 1919. Yeah. Um, Leeds City, obviously, we had we had um, Herbert Chapman as manager. He went on to become um, an absolute legend. In I mean, there's a marble bust of him at um, Highbury, and uh, I think it's Huddersfield also. Um, I think he he may have visited there once. Um, and he was he was manager, and uh, um, it was anybody's um, game after the war and um, within um, I think it was 11 games they managed before um, a want away player who was involved in a contract dispute by the name of Copeland um, shopped us to the Football League for um, making illegal payments to players to the first during the First World War in exhibition games which, which, e- which every damn club had done um, and it's funny that Leeds City almost might have gotten away with it as well, but they they refused to produce um, the accounts. They wouldn't show anybody the books, um, and so they were thrown out um, sort of by default for not turning up um, to the meetings. And so that um, glorious season, um, Port Vale ended up taking on Leeds City's uh, fixtures. Bit of a history lesson. All this stuff. I mean. It was just because Oddie was filling me in about it before and I was asking for the details. <laughs> um, but it's intriguing that it, then it took a meeting in a in a hotel in Leeds to kind of... Um, well, first of all, they auctioned off all the players, which sounds like one of the most depressing um, things you can imagine in 1918, just turning up in a sealed bid and you had to go and play for Gosforth. Um, and then building um, Leeds United, which, rather than a false dawn, I think they were talking about a glorious dawn. It was it, it just led to, uh, from 1919 onwards, a century of unrivalled success. <laughs> Mine's the opposite, really. Mine's quite a new one, being such a, such a youngster and everything. Um, from my, my childhood, the signing I remember being probably most excited about um, was Thomas Brolin. I'd seen the, the Brolin-Darlene clip several times and, and a bit of football Italia as well that had kind of convinced me he was probably the best player in the world went down the park with my uh, Asics kit on 
shouting his name about the place and then yeah within a few months it was clear he looked fairly like me really as a little chubby <laughs> chubby 11 year old bombing around the park <laughs> he was not really much better unfortunately um, and then he just sort of, he's got more ridiculous during his time in England he ended up turned up at Crystal Palace all fat with a bandage on his head and uh, yeah I, I grew up a bit in those years and thought mm, maybe maybe I won't build people up quite so much again I remember being excited about that. So I used to do his celebration in the playground. I think he put the fist in the air and then jumped and turned oh, 360 yeah, little, degrees. Little and, um, and yeah, and just it started to feel a bit silly that I, I was doing it more often than uh, Thomas Proline was. And also, plus the fact that he could barely jump by the time he was so filled with beer and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, dri- he'd drive over an elk as well after he left us. And then, and then he became a vacuum salesman. And then, I mean, his whole life just turned, became a series of false dawns, I suppose. I don't know what time of day it was when he killed the elk, but then I suppose trying to become a vacuum cleaner salesman, he may have thought, you know, finally found my true calling. And then um, he's popped... in this game. <laughs> and and instead, oh. instead he just sucked. And, um, and then he tried his, his pop career with uh, Dr Alban. And if you've ever seen that video on YouTube, search for Brolin and uh, Alban, and it's them um, rapping on a, uh, a, I'd say, private jet. It looks more like a, char- a charter flight, but um, it's pretty impressive. And, yeah, his pop career, again, a bit of a false... Dawn. I don't know what he's doing nowadays. He was, a, he was trying his best to be a poker player at one oh, stage. He was, I saw, I saw he? a picture of him looking very fat behind some uh, behind some chips. I think he owns a nightclub <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think he owns a nightclub or a bar as well. He's, he's tried his hand literally at everything. You can imagine him walking around all lecherous in his, his own nightclub, can't you? <laughs> And we've been a bit unfair to him about his time at Leeds because he he was seen as like you know a bit of a great white hope when it went, you know why is Brolin on the bench was what got sung at Wembley when we were getting packed by we Villa we didn't see him train presumably yeah. I think the, the fans have got we've always had a tendency and always will probably to uh, like the players that aren't playing more a bit like Andy Robinson this year there was a bit of chat of people thinking oh, maybe he's actually brilliant because <laughs> because we were doing that badly but um, you could stick a blonde wig on him mainly actually. <laughs> 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 Might pass for him. Thomas Brolin, Andy Robinson in a wig. Uh, right, and uh, being as old as I am, um, <laughs> I can't remember the most recent events, but also I can remember the Lee City thing. Um, Short term goes first, doesn't it? Is, yeah. um, but someone reminded me uh, of the 92 93 season where we, after we won the championship, we were going to go march on through Europe, we were the team to beat, and we. We, we, were the be- we were the best team in England. That's right, yeah. And then 92 93, we did get beat quite easily. We failed to win away all season. There was some pretty. We started off badly at Middlesbrough. Mm. And although we turned around at Spurs the following game, it sort of petered out fairly quickly. Um, and the charge through Europe was halted in Glasgow with that famous. <laughs> John Lucas. <laughs> It was a funny season because it started off with um, um, a lot of people wondering how we were going to keep Howard Wilkinson out of the clutches of the FA who wanted him for the England job and thought, oh, we've got to give him anything he wants to keep him. And then at the end of the season, I think there was movements just like leave him on the on the steps at Lancaster Gate with just like, like Paddington Bear with a note saying, please look after this ex-football <laughs> manager. Um, the European... Campaign was weird because yes, I always love thinking about the Stuttgart matches. I suppose they may have been a false dawn themselves. I mean, when Carl Schutz scored that winner against uh, Stuttgart in the new camp, it's like he doesn't get any better than this, and it it, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it really didn't, did it? <laughs> we actually have um, a, a tweet of all things because um, yeah, we put this out to the good people of Twitter didn't we? yeah and um, underscore Steve Dunn which I guess <laughs> is not is, uh, Chris, is the name he's christened with um, he refers to that season he says uh, Frank Strandley being the new Cantonau is a, a bit of a false dawn <laughs> which is um, again with uh, our, our predilection for fat Scandinavians um, maybe started with, uh, with with super Frank Strandley he even did the I love you line which I don't remember I remember he was a um there was a lot of talk because he was a he was a teenage Leeds fan, and it was like his dream to come and um, play for Leeds United. And he, we had to uh, we paid for him, and then we had to wait for him to finish his Norwegian national service before he could actually come and start playing for Leeds United. So there was that time there for uh, for us to look at perhaps what um, 
the Frenchman was doing um, over the Pennines and say, well, we've, we've found another one who can do that but for us. And he's a Leeds fan, so he won't sod off. Um, and uh, he, he scored on his, I think, his first game. That was good. <laughs> yeah, he did. I've got, I've got to confess, I had a very stereotypical idea of Scandinavians at that point, and I thought it was going to be this... Uh, dashing, blonde, lithe goal scorer, and he, we basically got a dark-haired Teletubby, didn't we? <laughs> but he did, um, he, was, he was a fan, so he can, um, he'll always have the memories of, of playing for the club he supported, and we'll always have the memories of watching him. <laughs> the first goal any striker scores is pretty much guaranteed to be a false dawn as well, because I remember in the, in the the square ball uh, season reviews thing you've been doing, mentioning Clyde Vinard, and I remember when he scored, and I thought, oh, he's probably going to be as good as Hasselbank, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no. No, not quite. Uh, another tweet. Um, which, this is one I managed to not remember somehow, but um, from Scratching Shed, uh, a guy called Dominic Morocco. Oh, Maracco? I don't know how you pronounce it even. But um, he claimed to um, he was going to buy Leeds and install Tyson as a fitness coach and then film a reality TV show there, which <laughs> I, 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 I don't vaguely, remember at all. I do, but, I vaguely um, remember this one breaking, but it, it's it's so lunatic, it's probably true. It's like the, the rumours about Puff Daddy buying, uh, or whatever he's called now. Crystal Palace. Buying Crystal Palace as well, it seems a bit of an odd one. Uh, more, more kind of believable ones, um, Lilo Man... Um, Remembers the billionaire saviors such as Sebastian Sainsbury's and Duncan Reavy with his Arab-led consortium, um, which again I think people were kind of holding up around the administration time, weren't they? And then it, um, he kind of became clear he was maybe using it for a bit of publicity for his soccer X things that he does. With reference to Revy, though, I think maybe you might be a bit unfair because um, Aidan Revy's grandson has been on. Um on the forums, hasn't he? Sort of defending his dad's position, saying, "Would you want to go in and taint, taint Don Revy's memory at, at Leeds?" And you know, you sort of see: is there a truth in in thinking that actually, you know what? Maybe because of the level of expectation that people don't want to touch it. I think. I mean, Duncan Revy's name has been around sort of investment for quite often. Um, not just around the admin, but even before then, because he, he's been doing his business out in the Middle East. Um, and so you do wonder if he has got that kind of uh, a, a question in his own mind where he'd like to get involved, but he's also he's probably more cautious than um, anybody else uh, might be. Or, well, I suppose anybody would be cautious given it's Leeds bloody United, but he was cautious for different reasons. Common, not for the common sense of it's a stupid club to take over. I think the thing that annoyed people about that was that he kind of came out and was like saying, oh, I might invest. I'm looking at investing. I really want to invest and then just didn't bother. You think, well, mm. have that conversation with yourself before you have it with a journalist. <laughs> Mr Six or Three uh, remembers coming out of uh, the playoff final against Watford. Coming out of Cardiff, we knew we'd be leaving the Championship the following season. <laughs> Expected to go up, though. Uh, and Leeds, Leeds Lass 09 uh, had to sit in the Donny end with a hubby at the uh, League One playoff final. Uh, and she says, Leeds owe me promotion. <laughs> don't they all? <laughs> well, <laughs> all. I mean, one that nobody... I don't know if it was mentioned on any of the tweets at all or whether we were just too, still too distraught to talk about... Um, the O'Leary and Ridsdale era, which I think as false dawn's goal was probably the the biggest um, dawn since Lenny Henry's ex-wife, <laughs> which uh, came crashing down the ground with probably a similar kind of impact. Oh, you've been waiting <laughs> that to she, shoehorn that reference in. For- that she had when she was thrown out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the time when we thought we had it made then, didn't we? It was a cruel one as well, because it went on for quite a few years. Of It kind of built nicely for a few years, then you realised it had all been built on dodgy loans. And uh... I remember commenting to a Newcastle supporting friend of mine at the time, and why I'm admitting this with the microphone in front of me, I'm not sure, but um, I remember commenting to him saying, I'm so glad Leeds have become good when they have, because we'll never fall out of this position again, You know, with the, with the money that was flowing into the game. Um, I, th- I thought we were secure. I thought we were made for life. Well done, you. Well done, me. <laughs> I think the, we weren't perhaps weren't seeking to, but that does absolutely define. I think if you look in a dictionary for false dawns, that whole period is was it. 
I'm sure we'll have some more some more um, fleeting glimpses of glory followed by terrible disappointments to look forward to. That hasn't ended, I'm sure. Yeah, we've got the next six weeks to look forward <laughs> yeah. to, haven't we? And because that brings us back round to the present, let's end part three there and we will have a look at what is coming up in the next fortnight. Part four then, let's do this. Uh, predictions and have a look through the next fortnight's games. Um, before we do that, just to highlight, the next podcast will be out on Tuesday, the 27th of April. There is no midweek game that week, uh, as we're running out of games pretty much by that point. Um, the games before that next podcast, Tuesday, the 13th of April, when this comes out, is the Carlisle away game. I'll return to the uh, the web-fingered idiots up there. Uh, then on Saturday, we're away to Gillingham. Uh, and then the Saturday after, Leeds against MK Don's hopes, fears, nightmares, dreams for this next fortnight. Pretty much, yeah. Hopes, dreams. <laughs> all, all of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, if we start with fears, maybe Carlisle. I worry um, after his last two uh, brilliant performances that um, Max Gradle is going to have a flashback to that night in the JPT um, and somebody's going to have to take him in hand um, quite firmly if, if he starts on that again um, particularly and I wonder if Neil Kilkenny probably has a similar kind of fear um, and the other fear with that game although I don't know Ian Hart I suspect may actually choose tomorrow night to um, score an own goal after his comments to the press that he still loves Leeds United and that he would uh, love to wear the shirt again, um, he can start tomorrow night as far as I'm concerned. He, he can he can help us out while wearing the um, um, Stobart blue, as I believe um, Carlisle's colours are officially known. <laughs> we do traditionally do all right up there, actually, considering, they've, in my mind, they've kind of become a bogey team. I don't know why. I think it's just because of the, uh, the kind of general... They're just more an annoyance rather than familiarity breeds contempt in this case. I think we see them so often. Yeah, I think that's it. But we, yeah, we've done all right up there. We see, there was the, obviously the playoff game, and then we uh, we beat them this year once up there already. So we should go into it with reasonable confidence. But I've no doubt we'll lose. <laughs> they're not echoes of the Yeovil game in a way. It's going to be a small crowd, fairly low key. I mean, I know everyone's kind of up for the Leeds game, but they've got not a lot. They haven't got a lot to play for, have they? Um, I think they hate us, though. I think that is a, a thing. We spoke think, about this last time, Kavner yeah. in particular. They don't hate us enough, though. I don't think they hate no, us enough. No. <laughs> How much would you like them to hate us? Lots. Dear Lots Carlisle, hate us more. No, I, th- I think it's got it's got that Yeovil feel about it. It's, just, it's a case of going and doing a job yeah. uh, and being up for it. And um, It'll be interesting with the line-up as well. I mean, after the, um, the civilised debates that we had earlier about... Um, uh, Jermaine Beckford um, I hope to God he doesn't start um, and that we play with um, Becchio and Gradle from the beginning and to see what happens um, I hope that's a change that we're actually going to make and I hope it works and they've got Jason Price on loan as well so he's he bound. gets around. He gets around, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he's bound to get some stick. He's bound to end up playing for us next season, <laughs> <laughs> and or score tomorrow night. Yeah, this is true. Cats well, tomorrow, if there's one, um, if there's one player that's really going to be wound up, it will be him because he didn't take kindly to um, his uh, to the good-natured ribbing that he was given in the Oldham game. Um, he won't have forgotten. Maybe he will. Maybe he's that thick. I don't know. He didn't look the brightest. <laughs> So from the extreme northwest of the country, we'll be heading to the the opposite corner, to the southeast, uh, down to Gillingham on Sea. Um, again, a similar sort of feel to Yeovil, similar sort of feel to Carlisle. Must go do a job. There's a sense of relief after some of the the games we've had that have looked like such pressure tights that we are now into a little period of playing um, Yeovil and South End and Carlisle and Gillingham, um, who aren't as good as us. I know that's a confident claim to make, but um, the league table says that um, they're not, and um, we have to have some faith in that. And yeah, same thing. Just got to um, just try and win some football matches. Um, the night before we play um, Gillingham, was obviously Huddersfield against uh, Millwall. So we've got to hope that the, as much as they probably love to. Uh, Roll over there. They, Huddersfield have got their own fight to contend with to try and get, squeeze into the playoffs. So they've got a good home record. So you've got to hope they might do us a favour. You just know they're not going to. But it's um, looking at Millwall's remaining games. It's one of the kind of their key 
ones that you identify with will drop points. That and Swindon on the last day. But if it goes to that, I think we'll all be on the verge of heart attacks, probably. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to you've got to hope they drop some points before. I'm then. worried about that final day because I'm on a stag do in Manchester and I'm going to be out of radio contact and I might have to not go. There's <laughs> 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 so always that option. Um, yeah, that, Hudders, that Huddersfield film my war game is looking like the one, because Huddersfield do seem, with their bizarre fascination with us, um, already up for beating us in the playoffs, um, which they will have to beat Millwall um, to, to help them try and do that. So It does have a funny way of working itself out with things like that. It's like when we played Arsenal, didn't we, when Jimmy scored, was it 98, 99, the one yeah. you've, uh, the article you've just written in the magazine that... Um, you know, you often end up doing your most hated enemies a favour at the at the uh, at the sharp end of the season. We did it in um, with the, when we beat Arsenal at their place as well when it was they were still in with the shout at the yeah. title and the Viduka mm-hmm. game. It's, um, it's funny how these things have a, have a habit of working out like that. I get the so. feeling though, because even though we, we were quite pleased to beat them at Ellen Road that time, really was the general feeling. Even though most people went into the game thinking, "Oh, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind us not winning this." I think at the, at the time everyone actually was quite pleased with it, whereas I think Huddersfield actually. Hate us more than they uh, more than they love themselves, and would quite would gladly see them roll over ten nil. Maybe I'm being harsh on the, the good people of Huddersfield. On to the weekend after them, we've got MK Dons, um, that filthy franchise of a team. Uh, on Saturday the 24th, third to last game of the season. Obviously, we all thought we were going to be well promoted by now. Hmm. I don't want to sound like a bitter old twat, but um, I'm still angry after the. Um, last game against a um, franchise when Paul Ince said it had been a game between uh, two great teams with a great history or whatever <laughs> bullshit he came out with but he, trying to imply that um, Milton Keynes Women's Hockey Club or whoever it was they took over in order to cheat their way into the league had anything like the um, heritage of um, Leeds United or even just had any rightful place in football I wish them nothing but miserable failure and all their fans I just question what they're doing with their lives anyone above the age of 10 who supports them should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves yep. and there's Paul Ince what yep. more reason yeah. but I mean t- turning our attention to the football side <laughs> of it, they're, they're not anything amazing this season and again when you stack it up against the games we've had that we've had four defeats in Again, three games can win, need to win. Do we have the balls? I'm just looking at our uh, 100% record in the last two games. Um, that's all, all I hope we take into um, into this, and not the shattered confidence and um, vacant stares that the players were exhibiting against Swindon in the second half against Yeovil. This is a question actually on that 100% record in the last two games. Do we have the capability of going on a five or even a seven game winning streak? As long as nobody scores against us, yes. <laughs> no, uh, this, this is going to sound very silly for anyone downloading the uh, the podcast any later than <laughs> the uh, the Carlisle game because we will have probably lost by this <laughs> Your cynicism but, disappoints me for one so young. <laughs> <laughs> It's not gonna. I think we're gonna probably limp to the end of the season. We'll probably win if we'll probably like win, win two, draw two, lose one or something. It'll be a just enough to finish third. I, I imagine. I just say I think we're gonna. It'll go all go to the wire and it will come down to the final game of the season. Maybe and we'll finish third. <laughs> and we'll finish third. Yeah, it will do just because I I can't be there on the final game of the season, and um, I'll miss all the fun. There won't be any fun. The pitch invasion. Yeah. There might yeah. be an angry pitch invasion where people will throw. Bottles at disabled away supporters or something that's <laughs> happened at Ipswich. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't come to pass, eh? So once those three games are out of the way, we're, uh, we're left for just two more after that. So we'll, we'll preview them uh, in the next podcast. That's Tuesday, the twenty seventh of April. Charlton away and Bristol Rovers at home, and then uh, after that we'll be previewing the playoffs, no doubt. Um, yeah, if you would like to get in touch with us, share your thoughts, podcast at thesquareball.net. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we couldn't go without telling you about the current issue of the magazine, which is available now. Um, but it will be on sale against MK Dons um, and is available online as well via the shop. Inside it, plenty to get your teeth into. Probably our most varied uh, edition of the season, I would say. I'll go along with that. It's got, um, following on from the um, Visit Beeston poster, um, we've had another one that Crumpley has uh, has done, 
um, on a, a film theme. I'm not going to give too much away because I think if you want to see it, it's only a quid, so you can buy it if you want to see it or just look on the internet because it's, uh, it's on there. There's also um, there's an interview with um, Dave McLean from the Leeds Fans Remembrance Committee who have been, um, all season, have been raising money in remembrance of uh, Christopher Loftus and um, Kevin Spate, and they've just uh, managed to hit their £100,000 um, fundraising target all for Candlelight as Cancer Charity, which is a fantastic effort, and there's an interview with them in there. Just to chip in out a little bit as well, we're doing um, 10p from each magazine sold this month. We're going to uh, put towards that as well, so just so you know. And there's also um, an article about Celtic versus Leeds, 1970, written by uh, the Flying Pig's dad. Um, this was the game where it was like, it's still the record attendance for any sort of UEFA Cup uh, competition match, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a photograph here of the crowds outside, and they're queuing in a remarkably orderly manner. It was that 135,000 uh, or something, was yeah. it? 136,000? Um, I'd have to read the article <laughs> to tell you that. <laughs> Oddie, you must have been there. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's usual look back, there's white watching, uh, looking back at the previous games, and there's, um, we've got a Norwegian chap uh, written um, an article. This is Sven, he's the, he edits the um, the Norwegian, uh, it's almost like a match programme, but I think it comes out monthly for them. Uh, but they've got like 3,500 uh, members and he, he, uh, he writes for them. And he's now doing a column in the square ball, which is good. And it's not um, in, it's not in Norwegian. I would like to add it's English, and his English does put our Norwegian to shame. Um, typically, with uh, any well-educated European, um, it's always where there's a look back at 1998, 99. Um, yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know which I don't know which joker keeps writing these awful articles, but they um, they fill up a few pages, which is uh, all that we're really looking for. And then there's an article about. Um, Jermaine Beckford, <laughs> unsurprisingly. And, yeah, so, I mean, the, the sheer variety of stuff we've actually managed to get in there um, this month. And then, oh, my God, oh God, I always forget page three is actually in there. Yeah, Richard Naylor's on page three. Probably less said about that, the better. I think so. Terrible puns about a lovely pair after his, uh, after his brace at Yeovil. Uh, yeah, if you would like to buy that, you can get the uh, back issues that are remaining. And also, buy the Visit Beeston t-shirt. You can get that online uh, via the squareball.net chat forums located there as well. Uh, yeah, the magazine probably will sell out at, um, at MK Don's, so get yourself there. Either make sure you're there early enough to buy it or get it online uh, beforehand, because you might well miss out otherwise. And after that, just one edition left for the season, which will cover the uh, the Bristol Rovers game at home. And, and any playoffs. potential playoffs. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if you do fancy writing something, um, we're very much a, a broad church, open house and all that. Get something written down, or if you've got pictures you'd like to send us, do so. Um, email them through to us, mag at the squareball.net for the magazine, and us, if you'd like to get in touch with us, at the podcast, podcast at the squareball.net. We'll return on Tuesday, the 27th of April, then, uh, with previews of the final two, we hope, games of the season. Charlton away in Bristol Rovers at home. Thanks again to Radio Air for the use of the studio and we will bid you a very fond farewell. Good night, John boy. So that is goodbye from me and Michael Normanton. Bye-bye. Moscow White. Bye-bye. And old Oddie. Goodbye. <laughs> to buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Squareball.net.